Welcome to episode 1618 of the Permaculture Podcast with Scott Mann. My guests are Jesse Peterson and Penny Livingston Stark, who join me to discuss PDCs and families. Today's interview is about how to make permaculture education more accessible and to provide different ways to do so for families and couples, as well as for those whom the more traditional two-week intensive is burdensome. We also discuss different class formats beyond the design course and what age is appropriate for a student to receive a certificate. Penny also delves into what it means to be a certified permaculture designer. This interview is possible because of listeners like you who sign up as ongoing members at patreon.com or by those who make one-time contributions via the PayPal link on the sidebar at thepermaculturepodcast.com as well as by show sponsors. Today's sponsors are Your Garden Solution and Good Seed Company. Your Garden Solution is a Pennsylvania company run by a permaculture practitioner and their business partner that helps people to garden using the techniques developed by the late Mel Bartholomew and popularized in his book, Squarefoot Gardening. In addition to garden installation and education, they also have an excellent soil mix and compost ready for your raised beds. Find out more at yourgardensolution.org. Good Seed Company has been in business for over 40 years and believes we have an inalienable right to open pollinated, GMO-free seeds for our common use. These are the seeds saved by our ancestors for thousands of years that can sustain us today and contribute to a bountiful future for the generations yet to come. Find out more about the rich history of this company and the importance of seed saving at goodseedco.net, or shop the catalog of ecologically grown organic seeds online, store.goodseedco.net. Also be sure to visit the other podcast sponsors, Inside Edge Design at insideedgedesign.com and permikids at permikids.com. Now then, on to Jesse and Penny. I'll join you again afterwards. Where would you like to begin this conversation about making permaculture education more family-friendly and generally more accessible? The audience may not know this, but I have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and I began my permaculture journey back in 2008 and did my PDC in 2012 and then had my daughter in 2013, after which I decided to do an advanced permaculture course this past summer and needed to figure out how I was going to do that with a two-year-old daughter. I was going to be traveling to go to this PDC and was really excited about it, really wanted some professional development to bring back to my community. My partner has a full-time job, 40-hour-a-week, working for the state of Montana and can't just pick up and go and come help me with childcare. And I also have duties to take care of my daughter as a part of a childcare cooperative here in Helena. And so we didn't have that eight hour a day childcare setup that some people have who do work full time as I do. So I had to do some creative thinking on my own about how I might help myself have some professional development and also have my daughter with me. And so I ended up figuring out a situation where 
uh, I worked with the folks who were providing the course. The woman who was co-teaching the course was had a six-month-old of her own and was going to kind of just be winging it uh, there at the course with her husband. And they also had a friend who was a farmer and she was about to have a baby. And so we all got together and asked this woman if she would provide childcare. And so she said she would. And that turned out to be a really wonderful experience. And yet it also was something that I recognized that a lot of people wouldn't be able to, A, they wouldn't necessarily think to set that all up on their own. They might just feel like there was a barrier. And B, it did cost me about $850 extra to have a nanny be there at the course, which was hard on me, but I was able to do it. And I, I just thought, gosh, that would be a barrier to so many people. And so I'm going to be offering a course in Montana, and Penny's actually going to be coming in and teaching it. And I immediately started talking about with the, with the other course teachers, you know, how do we make this something that families can attend? We want to see more farming families particularly here in Montana, who want to learn about how to do regenerative agriculture here, because that's the kind of society we want to build and culture we want to build and food system we want to build in Montana. And yet, so many people who are involved in this work already, they're doing a lot. And oftentimes, both partners are doing a lot. And the women are often taking care of the children. And, you know, how is it that they can have that professional development and how is it that we in providing a permaculture course could create a space where it would remove some of the barriers that might pop up for families who want to learn more about permaculture or advance their learning in permaculture. And as I believe that we've talked about in the past, Jesse, and I know that the audience is familiar with, I was a stay-at-home father for a number of years and it was during that time period after both my son and daughter had been born that I finally went off to take a PDC. And I was only really able to do that because it was offered in a broken up class structure so that we covered the entire 72 hours of core material over several months on weekends. And then when I finally took my teacher training a year later, I left my home in Pennsylvania to go to Oregon to do that with Jude Hobbs and Andrew Millison and Rico Zook. And while I was there, that was the longest that I'd ever been away from my children, including my flight out and time on site. I was gone for around nine days, which was hard not only on me because of all that time that I'd spent with my children, but also on them and their mother, because this was the first time as a family we'd ever had any kind of a long break like that. And I see offering options like this and alternatives to people as really valuable moving forward because one of the things that I hear very often is that being able to take a PDC, not only because of the price in many cases, but because of the intensive format or lack of additional support, it can be very challenging for people to be able to find the time to do so, especially if, like your partner, they were working a 40-hour-a-week job on a normal basis. And Penny, I was wondering, with that thought coming to the forefront in many of the conversations about making permaculture more available and accessible. In your years of teaching, what have you seen offered in order to provide alternatives to people? The one model that Jesse was talking about, we call it a nanny share. And there's also legal considerations. So you can legally have six up to six kids, at least that's the law here in California, 
and everybody pools their money and then they offer a nanny share. And so that's one way to do it. But yes, it costs more money, just like Jesse was saying, but it might be less if you have times, you know, divided into six shares. <laughs> so that's one thing. But then the other one that has worked really well is having a spouse. One of, like, say, if one parent wants to take the course and the spouse comes and watches the kids. Um, we have an education center here in Bolinas that offers a lot for people to do with kids on the site. You know, there's just a lot of nature connection, fun exploring and beaches and things near here. So some parents have come and watched other kids and volunteered so that people can take the programs here just to bring their kids here and play on the site. So having an attractive site for kids and parents helps. And then it didn't really cost anybody anything. They just did it out of the goodness of their hearts. And if you can find those bodhisattvas uh, or bodhicittas in the world that are, are interested in being of service, they're key to make something like this work and have it not cost an arm and a leg to be able to take the program. On the other hand, you know, it is professional development. It's not really fair to ask kids to sit through the class and the lectures. Um, sometimes people bring kids who are very self-contained and they're happy to just draw and do quiet things in the room. That has worked also. But sometimes it's just not fair to ask the child to do that if it's not something they want to do. And the format that you mentioned, Scott, we do a one-day-a-month class here that's goes over there's two two day weekends but it's just one weekend one day a month otherwise so it's 14 days and that works really well for people with kids and pre people who have professional jobs and they can't just take two weeks off to take a course another example i think penny what you're talking about and scott the idea of breaking up the course is a really good way to allow people to take it over time and do their professional development in a way that it's easier to, you know, say to your partner, hey, I'm going to be gone this weekend, you know, this many times a year, can we make this work or to do a trade with another family. And so I think that's an excellent way to do it. It's also a way that you can attract or have a very localized PDC, which is important, you know, it's important that we organize ourselves in relation to our bioregion in general and do skill building within the area. That's a big belief that I have and a big part of my mission. I also, speaking once again to Penny, what you talked about with, with partners coming and attend the course, that's exactly what some friends of mine who are at the Draw Permaculture Sanctuary in northern Wisconsin, Nat and Sham, when I was doing some research as to what different permaculture design course teachers are doing, Sham told me that for basically all of their PDCs or any type of permaculture learning opportunities they provide, they have the invitation out to the full family that partners and kids can come. And while one parent is learning or one partner is learning, the other is taking care of the kids and helping, and the kids then get incorporated into some of the like hands-on activities, and then they also do chores with the animals and help with the cooking and are involved in that way. But like you mentioned, it's really important, and not everybody has this, to have a beautiful 
integrative site where the kids and the, the partners who are not doing the coursework and are not sitting in the classroom have a really wonderful experience outside the classroom. And, you know, so in the case of Nat and Sham, they have a 10-year established permaculture homestead and, you know, endless amounts of things to do and 260 acres to walk around on. And of course, not everybody is going to have that right off the bat when they want to start teaching PDCs within their region. That's one of the components that we're facing here in central Pennsylvania is that permaculture as an established practice is only a few years old. So many of the classes are being held in community centers and elsewhere that might not be as productive for this kind of support for families who would want to come in. And I'm wondering about you know, in urban environments and other spaces, how we might be able to address this. I know, Jesse, you had said that you had talked with a number of other permaculture practitioners, and I was wondering what insights they may have provided, and also, Penny, what you might have seen for folks who might not have a very well-established site. Well, I think, you know, if you're going to be successful in what you do, you've got to have the right environment. (laughs) I mean, you can make do, but if we're really looking at I'm interested in optimum solutions and success and kind of juiciness in terms of anything that I do. That's like, it's got to be fun. It's got to be exciting or it's just kind of boring, right? That's just the way, that's what happens for me. So one thing that comes forward when I think about kids being at a two-week intensive PDC, what would be really exciting would be to have a whole kids program like we talked about, but actually, because people send their kids to summer camps or they, you know, they, they send them to summer programs. Like it, so for example, if it's in the summer and kids aren't in school, then have some really, you know, rent a site that has, you know, a lake or rent a site that has, you know, like a retreat center type of thing. And people go and they, parents are in the class with the permaculture and the kids are off, you know, going hiking and playing and doing art projects or whatever and and actually just design it that way so that everybody's exciting and then excited about the day and then at night people come back together around campfire or whatever and have it be like a permaculture camp type thing I think would be really awesome for families and it, and in that kind of scenario the kids actually enhance the whole experience so there might be people there that don't have kids or, you know, people whose kids have already grown. And then it's exciting for them to also be have time in the evenings with kids and, you know, storytelling and things like that. So to design it in a way where it's like the problem is the solution, where it becomes even more amazing and more inviting with the kids there than without. Does that make sense? Yes, and, and yes. you have to design it. Like you can say, well, we don't have this and we don't have that. But then every region has somewhere and people might have to travel to get to the appropriate place. But I think it's important. If it's going to be a successful enhancing experience to, to do it in the right environment. That reminds me of, so what I did prior to this conversation to get ready for it was ask some people on the various Facebook pages, I posted on permaculture for children, uh, permaculture women and permaculture women in practice and asked, you know, what's 
what's going on out there? What are people doing to address this? You know, what should we be thinking about as we start shaping the inclusion of family into PDC more so than the individual? And of course, I have just started thinking about this as a parent and many other people have been thinking about this and working on it for a lot, lot longer. So, you know, a lot of people got back to me. And so speaking to this idea of the integrating of, of a camp, which I love that idea, Penny, a woman named Jen Mendez, Scott, who I believe you've interviewed, who has Permi kids and is out on the East Coast. I chatted with her for a little bit after she posted and she told me about the Institute of Permaculture Education for Children, IPEC, which is in Portland, Oregon. And evidently what they do is something really similar to Penny, what you just described, which sounded beautiful to me. It's, it's where adults are going to learn about how to teach children about permaculture. And alongside that, is uh, childcare, but also it's a camp that I think allows for community kids to come to, to to kind of fill it if there's not that many children coming with the adult uh, learners. And what they did was they integrated the programming. So, you know, for example, say the adults are learning about observation in nature and how to work with kids on that. At the same time, the kids were off in the morning choosing objects in nature that appealed to them, you know, so just out for a walk, running around and grabbing pine cones and leaves and, you know, stones, whatever, whatever you have. And then the children were then brought on a walk where they were to, they built some pieces of artwork with what they had found. And they were like these wayfinding pieces were then when the adults went out on their observation, they were finding these art pieces that the children had done. And then coming back in the evening and and basically with the children, like you're talking and over the meal, having a discussion with what they had observed with with the children there and talking about it all together. Uh, And I just thought that sounded exactly like what we would love to have, you know, with our course or included in our education model. With that kind of integration, I'm wondering about a children's design certificate or at what age would you consider having a a younger student participate in a permaculture design course? And I ask this because I've been asked on several occasions about potentially putting together a class for high school students, but from what I've encountered so far, it seems that most of the younger folks who are taking a PDC are like 16 or 17. And I'm wondering, Penny, have you taught much younger than that? Or has it mostly been to adults? Well, I think the youngest person we've ever given a design certificate to was five. Wow. Because he, awesome. he sat in the class every, you know, every class with his mom. He listened. He participated. He worked on the design project. He did everything. He did more than what a lot of adults I've seen do in permaculture classes. So at the end, we just decided why not give him a certificate because, you know, he did, he participated and he added to the conversation. He even, you know, and, and he had really great ideas and yeah, but he's, he was kind of a rare child. <laughs> Beyond that, I think we've had 16 year olds. There was one kid from Brazil who was 16 and he did a two week intensive. And again, really brilliant, completely participated, got it, 
you know, we've had that we had a family of the two parents and the two daughters who were, I don't know, maybe 10 and 13. They came and the daughters, they, they, it was just part of their whole family. The daughters were really into it and they participated and they sat through the thing. And it wasn't just like the parents dragging them along. They were totally into it too. So that happens. Um, if you, you know, you got to keep the course interesting and in that, but they, they listened to all the lectures and did participated in all the projects and yeah. So I don't think there's any age limit if they're actually paying attention. I mean, I've seen adults, you know, snooze through permaculture courses and they get there. So, so with the informal nature of permaculture education relative to say traditional academia or the university system, there's more flexibility for instructors to provide those kinds of opportunities to families as a whole, regardless of the age of the participants. Well, I think the key is that the children can't be distracting to the class. If they're actually taking away from the capacity for the class to move forward and, you know, it is a class and it's often is professional development and people are paying often significant amount of money to take this course. So it's got to be treated seriously in terms of providing the content. And so if the kids, it's just not working for the the group, then parents have to, you know, deal with that. But in the cases that I was just talking about, I mean, the, the kids weren't distracting and they were actually, I mean, it's wonderful to have multiple generations. And if we're trying to, you know, the big part of what I love about permaculture and where my work is leading me, because um, I, I teach internationally, is also kind of reweaving culture back and reweaving the village back and reweaving elders back into connection with with each people in connection with each other and that includes children you know children are essential i mean why else are we doing this work if it isn't for our children so let's not forget that and <laughs> which we're not that's why we're having this conversation and we have to be able to provide the content and teach the course and have it work for everybody in the group so whatever model is great to start thinking and designing these models to include kids and make it accessible for parents but there are these other considerations. As I'm listening to this, I'm reminded of my perspective coming out of the Peace Corps in Madagascar and living in this tiny village and seeing how many skills that children, say, under the age of five had that I didn't see children under the age of five in the United States having, and I was surprised at everything that they could do over there in Madagascar. And, you know, what we're kind of talking about right now is what are the limitations of children versus adults in terms of being in the same education environment? And and what we're hearing is that there's some variability. There's these really, really young kids, like your five-year-old who was able to get the PDC or that child that can spend time with a book or with their own project within a space where adults are learning in a more, you know, traditional kind of lecture, everyone else sitting, being quiet format. And you don't know if you create a course that's just based on that, odds are you're going to have a bunch of kids that don't want to learn that way, or that's not their style of learning. And so, you know, I, I look to then David Sobel's 
seven principles of, you know, having children learn about nature and, and become environmentalists and looking at that in terms of a curriculum structure. So, you know, this making forts and special places, playing hunting and gathering games, shaping small worlds, developing friendships with animals, constructing adventures, descending into fantasies and following paths and figuring out shortcuts. None of those suggestions that much lend themselves to that lecture framework. And yet, if we were to, say, have the more traditional PDC uh, teacher-listener arrangement with hands-on and, you know, everything that comes with a PDC. And then alongside that, you have your, you know, children's program, which is more using the Sobel way of doing things. You know, once you start playing around with that, and if it's over a two-week period, I imagine one of the interesting things that would emerge would be some of the kids might actually say, I want to be a part of some of the lectures. And maybe even some of the adults would head over to make forts and special places. I mean, I would love to see that kind of play out a little bit where we get to see that integration of the multiple generations for the intersectionality is that word that keeps popping up for me lately. And also seeing where people find their own niche within the, the different styles and where that goes over the course of two weeks. And if you did that right, or you developed a relationship with that kind of model, people might be choosing to take that PDC over another one because of the kids program. You know, it might cost a little more or people could fundraise or whatever, but it might turn into, you know, just making it more accessible to a significant amount of people that that's the one that they choose to go travel to take. Because, you know, we have people coming from all over the world to take permaculture classes. You know, I just taught one in Bali. We had people from 12 different countries everywhere between India, Manhattan, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Sumatra, Los Angeles, you know, New Zealand, and onward. And the same with in Peru, we did one from 18 countries. So people come, and if you even had that international aspect where kids could be um, exposed to kids from other countries, um, that could be also exciting. But the other piece I want to say, too, just there's the permaculture design certification course format, the PDC, where people get a certificate. There's a particular content and curriculum that has to be covered. And often it's challenging because even in the two-week format, it's hard to get through everything in a good way and then still have time for projects and hands-on and more exciting ways of learning. So that it's a dance already that we do. I mean, we tend to try to do more kind of lecture heady stuff in the morning and then be outside in the afternoon um, on the courses we do. And they're often long, they're longer than 72 hours to allow for that. But there's also other ideas of teaching permaculture and maybe they're not certification trainings. Maybe they're just a permaculture immersion experience or something and there's no certificate. And, and if you do that, then you're actually freed up a lot more to have more child passions and play and, you know, you don't, you're not stuck to covering a particular curriculum, and yet people can then be exposed to some of the powerful, potent ideas that permaculture has to offer. I like that idea because the PDC is an incredible course for someone who wants to walk down the road for professional practice. Because of that certificate is kind of the gateway into the world of professional permaculture. And from all of my exposure 
over the years and what I read from the intentions of Mullison and some others is that you don't need the certificate unless you want to practice professionally and use that term. You're more than welcome to be studying permaculture and practicing in your backyard and doing whatever you want as hobby, as interest in community. It's just that it's crossing that threshold into being a professional where that certificate is seen as necessary. Is that fair to say? Yes, that's exactly correct. And I think people lose sight of that and expect the PDC to be a one-stop shop for everybody. And it's not. It's like, it's, if, you're gonna, if this is going to be your journey where you're working professionally, you want to put your shingle out there and do permaculture design, permaculture education, that's what the, per, the certificate was designed for. And I'm on the board of the Permaculture Institute of North America where we're actually creating a professional diploma and professional standards for the PDC. And I think that that's just a really key piece to keep in the forefront of our minds, that there's many, many ways to learn permaculture, and it doesn't have to be in that format. And it can be called something that isn't a PDC. It could be called anything else we want to call it. It could be permaculture in action, or permaculture camp, or you know, permaculture immersion, or whatever. Yeah. And I like that idea of permaculture camp, especially there's a big push in central Pennsylvania. We have a lot of rewilders and foragers and others who are practicing primitive skills and doing a lot of work outside. And that's a really good place for parents and children to come together kind of as a, a summer camp program or an outdoor educational experience that can integrate these ideas of permaculture without needing to be under this larger umbrella of certification. And I'm really thankful that you said that, Penny, because it's been one of the things that I've been struggling with being in my place, you know, presenting all this information to have someone in your position and your standing to share that that distinction between the design certificate and all the other available permaculture education that's out there. Yeah. And if people want to do a, an eight day course or a short course, great. Just don't call it a PDC, call it anything else but... Because that's a global brand now. There was somebody that was offering a, an online PDC, but people weren't actually getting a certificate unless they paid money. It was a free online PDC. But, oh, you want the certificate, it's going to cost you $350. And to kind of slipstream on the branding of a PDC is very, it's deceptive to the public. And so that's the main thing we're trying to avoid. Is so that up until maybe the last 10 years, somebody could take a PDC anywhere in the world and they would get pretty much the same curriculum. You know, it's actually surprisingly consistent considering, you know, whether you go to Nepal or you go to Africa or you go to, you know, San Francisco, um, the core curriculum was, was surprisingly consistent. Um, I know this because both teaching with people from these countries, but also looking at their handouts and their resource materials, it was amazing. And so it's, it's doable to keep that consistent but now that it's getting more widely spread and students of students and students are starting to teach, sometimes the curriculum is getting a little watered down. And that's a whole nother conversation. But that said, we can be very free in how we teach permaculture and just call it a different name and call, call it not the PDC. I want to say, too, that I appreciated Penny and I had a discussion many weeks ago now about the permaculture curriculum and how many days we should have our course and how to cover everything. And something that really stood out to me that Penny said that rang true is the permaculture design framework 
the learning framework, the curriculum is still working. Like it has been working. Um, it worked 25 years ago and it's still working today. And there is so much, you know, this idea that there's this simple base of principles and a curriculum to start from. And then, you know, there's millions of different ways to be involved with permaculture, but that core curriculum is still so solid for the starting point. And in terms of practitioners or the, the actual PDC or the, the teachers of permaculture, the, the people who are the ones that are carrying this knowledge forward, I mean, getting back to the, the family piece, you know, I was looking at some of the older writings about permaculture and found in Bill Mollison's book, uh, you know, in chapter 14, the, the social part of permaculture that he talks about family as the embryo of society. So I've got the quote right here, actually. It's, the family is society in embryo. It is the native soil on which the performance of moral duty is made easy through natural affection, so that within the family circle, a basis of moral practice is updated. This is later widened to include human relationships and society in general. So in my mind, when that starts to swirl around, I begin looking at, well, how is it my responsibility as a teacher of permaculture to make that embryo, the family, as strong, as healing, as you know, healthy as possible so that that is then extending out like a ripple effect into how it is that we treat each other in the larger society, which is, I think, what Bill Mollison was getting at. And I look at that even before coming to this as a permaculture teacher, just as a parent and as a father. That's one of the things that I think about is how can we take care of, foster, and support those structures especially as people go through tensions and make decisions that may take what they know as family and pull it apart and then have to rebuild from that, that people care side when it comes to our permaculture practices to be able to be open and available to anyone who wants to come through the door and sit at the table, whether they're someone who has a family and they're trying to come to a PDC or perhaps they're someone who's in recovery of some form and that we can aid them in whatever background they come from to make this material as readily available to them as possible, whether it is, as we've talked about, in a non-certificate kind of immersion or camp or other class, or if they want to come to take that next step in professional practice. And I really, in talking with both of you today, I think that we're all on kind of the same page on what needs to be delivered as part of a course, and that now it's not so much about curriculum, but about providing alternative ways to make that curriculum and core material available at the very minimum to that 72 hours, though it sounds like you're both looking at moving well beyond that in the time that you spend with students. We did do a strict permaculture 72-hour course, but there was like there was a month in between classes so people could do a lot of self-study and we actually sent them home with homework to do. We called it home fun. <laughs> but they could really absorb the information in that model as opposed to having it be over a two-week 
period. We've also found that people can't really take off more than two weeks. So doing three week or whatever other longer formats is harder for people. So that's why it's designed the way that it's designed. But, you know, I just thought of another model. I worked, I work in Indonesia in Bali a lot. And there's an incredible organization there called the Indonesian Development for Education in Permaculture. And they were doing for years, they were doing education where they were doing both PDCs and then five-day intensives, but they would focus it on a particular group. Like they would do one for educators and they did one for women. They did one. I asked them, you know, when are you going to do one for farmers? Because I was working with the farmers there and they said, well, why don't you come teach one? So I did a five-day immersion for farmers. And, And what was great with that was we did, we started with a design charrette, which is a process to help prioritize which aspects are the, of the most interest to the people in the, in the class. So we, it's kind of a d- brainstorming process. And so we brainstormed, you know, we asked the question, what are, what are the things that are most concerning you in Bali today? And they would come up, you know, pollution, um, garbage, overpopulation, you know, economic this and that. And so we went and did a huddle and then we covered the things in the five days that were of most interest to the people. And they also did one for people working in NGOs, specifically in East Timor. So when East East Timor got its um, independence, there was a whole permi posse there (laughs) to help them facilitate envisioning their new country. It's very powerful. So there could be that here, you know, just do a five-day permaculture for families thing and focus on that. Well, and one of the things that we have, you know, this once again, this PDC that I'm teaching with Penny and with Kareen at Broken Ground in Bozeman is it's our first PDC that we will teach all together in Montana. And we don't have a lot of PDCs in Montana. There's probably been four or something. (laughs) And I took one of them from Skeeter Polarski back in 2012, and I think Paul Wheaton has done a couple, and then this will be one. So trying to figure out what is a good fit, especially for the people that are here. And, you know, one of the big issues right now is empowering women farmers. And, you know, there are already so many powerful women farmers, but it's also about acknowledging that and then helping them to be better farmers. And there's actually grant funding out there, believe it or not, for that. And so one of the things that we are doing is applying for a grant to support women farmers coming to this course. And so I think a direction we could take in the future would be having it be specifically for women or having it be, you know, something that's not a PDC, but is a, you know, women's farmers intensive where you can actually get support right now to help fund scholarships for that kind of activity and that kind of empowerment work. With what you were doing with Penny, with the farmers, and then what you were talking about, Jesse, I really like both of those, not only for like a shorter course that isn't a design certificate, but also for the certificate process as well about taking the focus and the interests of families, farmers, women, activists, whoever are coming to the class and helping to 
not cover something as part of the core curriculum, but using their interests and that material to provide a focus that bridges the gap between the design and landscape that comes with permaculture and bringing that kind of in synthesis with the folks who are coming to us for this material and being able to deliver something that meets the needs of permaculture, but also provides a focus and a blend for the interests of others. And that makes it a lot easier as I consider that to think then about how to include children in that process to bring us back around by choosing design activities and other work within the classroom that integrates families into the process rather than necessarily choosing some of the bigger, headier things, but rather to pare it down and parse it in a way that meets the needs of those who come. If you think about the curriculum of permaculture, there's kind of like the main stem of the river, if you will, you know, where that distinguishes a permaculture curriculum from, say, studying soil science or studying biology or whatever. So that core piece is probably maybe three to four days of the course and the rest of the curriculum are all the side canyons where you're becoming literate about how things work in our world, like around botany or plant ID or plant guilds and, you know, just plant knowledge and then water, you know, water harvesting and the very potent things that permaculture holds in the curriculum. But, you know, really you could get somebody on, you know, the permaculture program through principles, patterning, you know, zone and sector analysis and all that stuff just in about three days. And then after that, the curriculum was mainly, you know, tropical systems or different, you know, climactic things and, and, and they're more, a little more specialized. Do you know what I mean? So you could have a class where people sort of get up to speed on the permaculture principles and the process. And then in terms of the strategies, techniques, methods, you can be more flexible as, if you're not doing it as a PDC, but people could still have an, an education in permaculture specifically, in permaculture design specifically, and, and really kind of understand the process. Um, and then, but not cover every single aspect that's covered in a PDC. And I think it would be very valuable for people, especially if they want to just apply it in their own life. Something that I'm thinking about with that is, Scott, you touched on this a little bit earlier in the conversation, and this definitely came up when I posted my question about family and how to incorporate family into the PDC. The idea of what about when the family becomes non-nuclear, you know, when parents or when couples separate or decide that they are going to explore something a little bit different, and then similarly or maybe, I don't know if it's similarly, but in that same vein of thought, this idea of like non-traditional family relationships or the non-nuclear, you know, whether we're talking about same-sex partnerships or whether we're talking about situations where there's an elder and there's a worker who's come to work on the elder's land and the elder owns it and potentially is transitioning it, but there hasn't been any formal discussion. And so decision-making is kind of funny. And, you know, so there's, I got all this information that there was a woman named Sarah Wolcott, who has a company called Peacework Design in St. Paul, and she's a landscape architect and also 
an inclusive planner, which is also something that I do with my work here in Helena, but just talking about, you know, when we're teaching PDCs and thinking about what family looks like, how is it that we're including these different types of family, which actually, once again, going back to Bill Mollison, you know, he acknowledges right away that couples, first of all, we can't own human beings, for instance. So he immediately breaks apart this notion that a couple would always be together working on the same thing, you know. So he talks about like community as family and how is it that you share resources or work together in a way that still has those like components of how we might look at a nuclear family, but expands out who would be included in that. And so I think about that in relation to when I'm offering a PDC and saying it's family friendly and we'll offer a discount to a couple or like you can have your partner come along or when we do a meditation and we say like imagine yourself in this scenario, you know, I think we can't always assume that our participants own where they are or are going to or that who they would want to bring along as their partner would be who we might traditionally assume that they would bring along, if that makes sense. It perfectly does. And I feel that that fits very well into our idea of caring for others when they come to the class to be able to make space for them within the work that they're doing and what we have to offer them. I'd like to thank you both for the time that you've spent with me today and the questions that you've answered and the questions that I'm left to ponder within my own life and work within permaculture and bringing this material out into the world and to teaching others. Before we bring things to a close, do either of you have some final thoughts on families, permaculture education, and permaculture accessibility? Well, I, I would just say that I think it's an exciting time when the permaculture um, educational models and access is expanding and really creative and wonderful ways. And I'm excited about all of it. I would second Penny's sentiment and as someone who has a lot less experience than Penny but is you know I'm very dedicated to this area of work and it's exciting for me to see it I think on this plane of what can I do to bring about this shaping of what permaculture looks like you know, here and in the next 25, 30 years, you know, what's my role in that? And how is it that I can live by some of these values that I'm feeling about inclusiveness of family, attempting to remove barriers so that more and more people can live the permaculture values, you know, whether or not they have a PDC per se, that's a part of my journey that makes me really excited about this conversation and, and where, where some of these thoughts will take me in the future. So I hope it's also been a benefit to people listening and so that we can all try to carry this forward a bit. Well, thank you for having this conversation with me and bringing these ideas into the light. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Penny. And that was Jesse Peterson and Penny Livingston Stark. You can find out more about Jesse and her work at InsideEdgeDesign.com and Penny is at regenerativedesign.org. The upcoming permaculture design course that they are co-teaching is in Bozeman, Montana, 
from July 15th through the 27th, 2016, and integrates many of the ideas we discussed here today. Find out more at brokengroundpermaculture.com or via the link in the show notes. Permaculture accessibility is something of ongoing importance to me and is one of the reasons why I continue to work on creating this show in a way that keeps the archives and all the new episodes freely available for download, however you might come across them, and why they're also released under Creative Commons, Attribution, No Derivatives, Non-Commercial License. You know, feel free to copy it and share it, send links to others. It's also something of importance to us here at Seppi's Place, and something that we talk about regularly, and is why we do as much as we can within the gift economy. Though my work on permaculture continues to push the edges of social, economic, and community permaculture, the core corpus of knowledge that comes with designing a series of permacultures rests in the permaculture design course, which, as it's written and generally agreed to, requires steeping oneself in the language of the land, food and gardens, water, clothing, work, and shelter. Through that curriculum, one gains a basic understanding of the language and lexicon of practicing permaculture. It isn't the destination of the journey, but the starting point. A place too often one cannot start down because of the barriers of time, cost, or burden to family. That's changing, however, as more permaculture teachers, such as Penny and Jesse, see this problem and apply different solutions to it. In their case, they provide child care and couples discounts. In others, some of which you've heard on the show, the format is broken up and spread out over a series of weekends. Some are even being offered in the gift economy to make them more affordable and financially available to those who have been shut out up until now. As time and needs change, so does our approach to permaculture. I remember a time speaking of permaculture beyond the landscape seemed completely foreign and antithetical to the work, but more books and articles emerge on social and economic permaculture each day. I see the availability of the permaculture design course changing in the same way, as more teachers and students take up the mantle to teach and learn this material, and in turn, create more options that we can use to share this idea formally with others, and to continue to make it more accessible and affordable. Whether you are a student looking for an alternative to the traditional design course intensive, or are a teacher who is offering something different, I'd like to hear from you. My phone number is 717-827-6266, and the email address is show at thepermaculturepodcast.com. If digital means are not your preferred way to reach me, you can also drop something in the mail. That address is the Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dolphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. From here, coming up is the Mid-Atlantic Permaculture Convergence outside of Charlestown, West Virginia, at the Riverside Project. The keynote speaker for the day is Michael Judd, talking about his experiences as a permaculture practitioner, with opening remarks by Joel Glansberg. Classes and workshops are scheduled on Living in the Gift, Animals in Permaculture, Broadacre Permaculture, Whole Systems Learning, Plant Walks, and Tree ID Sessions. If you're planning to attend, please consider carpooling, and if you haven't picked up your tickets yet, get those today at midatlanticpermacultureconvergence.eventbrite.com. Until the next time, take care of Earth, 
yourself, and each other.